Hello, welcome to Atari Bytes, the show where we take a bite out of the story within a classic Atari 2600 game. See if that story bites us back. My name is Bill, this is episode 227. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to everybody. Hi Henry, how you doing? Good. Henry's here. He's back. He is playing yet another game on his phone. Later we'll have a segment of What's Henry Playing? while we record a podcast about a different game. Anything new, Henry? No. How's the art going? Good. Good. You're wearing, you're still rocking the Perry Mason coat. I like that. Henry's gotten into Perry Mason reruns lately. Um, he likes the classics. So, uh, if any of you have thoughts about Perry Mason, let us know. We got some feedback this week. See if I can find it. This is the part where usually you would say something while I look something up, Henry. I'm gonna go get something. <laughs> the, pound, the podcast is grinding to a halt at a moment. Go get a drink or something. Jeopardy, please don't sue me. There it is. At Knight Rider Pod, the official Twitter account for Champion Klein, the Knight Rider years, tweeted at me. This is a podcast where, hosted by two friends, Dave Champ and Ray Klein. Uh, what's their opening? Uh, two friends who here to share love of 80s television. And they uh, do an episode-by-episode review of 80s television. They did MacGyver a while ago. They've been doing Knight Rider for a while. We've gotten to be chummy on social media. And they tweeted at me, Dave did, about Combat 2. Actually, he messaged me about that yesterday. That's not what this message is about. This message is about soccer. I suddenly drew a blank there. Last episode, uh, the episode before, we played... So that'd be 225, we played championship soccer. Uh, so Dave wrote, played this with my 10-year-old, who couldn't get past all the players moving at the same time. I thought it was charming, fun game. My 10-year-old, Henry had the same issue. He's talking about how you got the three players on the screen, but you can only, you can only move them as a group. You can't move them individually. So we share your frustration. Um, I've, I have compared that game to foosball. Uh, you kind of have to think of it that way. Um, glad you're playing the games. Glad you're doing your part to introduce them to the younger generation so that I feel slightly less irrelevant uh, as I get older. If you guys aren't listening to the Knight Rider years, you should be. If you've never watched Knight Rider, if you have watched Knight Rider, you'll get a nostalgia kick out of it. If you haven't watched Knight Rider from the 80s, well, you should. It's a delightful bit of 80s television. What else? Oh, happy birthday, Pac-Man. 40 years ago this week, as I'm recording... Um, I think it was like the 22nd, 21st or 22nd of May 2020 was the 40th anniversary of the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The invasion, the sweeping of the world that was the Pac-Man arcade game uh, came about. You've played Pac-Man, right, Henry? Yeah. Do you remember it? Yeah. With the little yellow circle? Well, we've been watching the Pac- we've been watching Pac-Man, uh, The Ghostly Adventures, but... You remember the game, right? What do you think of Pac-Man, the game? Good. You've only ever played it, really, the, the Atari version, which isn't as good as the arcade version was. Um, sometime we'll find an emulator, and you can play the arcade version like it's supposed to look and feel. So, happy birthday, Pac-Man. I hope at least some of you out there have had Pac-Man-shaped cake in celebration. Well, that's a good idea. We should get Sophie to make a Pac-Man cake. Oh, oh, I know. A lemon meringue pie with a wedge cut out of it. 
could be like a, a yellow Pac-Man cake. We can get Sophie on that later today. All right, Henry, are you ready to talk about this week's game? Sure. All right. This week's game is Cosmic Commuter from Activision, 1984. I'd never heard of this game before, but I was excited to see it on the uh, flashback. Once again, we're playing the flashback in alphabetical order, because that's how we do things. And it's an Activision game I'd never really heard of. We do love us some Activision here, uh, so I was excited uh, for that. So we get a manual, Cosmic, Commut Cosmic Commuter Employee Handbook. Way back in the 20th century, a bunch of Ivy League professors sat around inventing space colonies. They were lauded as visionaries and went on lecture tours. Do you think they thought about traffic jams in space? Somehow, we don't think they did. We're the GTA, Galactic Transit Authority, the movers of the daily grind circa 2075 AD. In 2075 AD, I'll be really old, Henry. And we're glad you're working for us now, according to the handbook. Four-part employee procedure. Land your rocket module. The Astrobus will instantly separate and begin the commute route. Pick up commuters when they appear at surface bus stops. Stay on schedule. When route is completed, return to the rocket module and reconnect. That's the part we had trouble with, uh, but we'll get to that later. Uh, and number four, liftoff. Deliver commuters to Grand Central Space Station. There are one or two game levels, I guess. Level two is most challenging, with obstacles being faster and more numerous. The difficulty switch is not used. The Astrobus follows movements of the joystick to blast meteors and space mines. Press the red button. I don't think we saw any space mines when we were playing. Uh, to pick up a commuter, fly over his head and quickly pull the joystick toward you. A bonus bus will be added to your fleet with each increase of 10,000 points. Um, spoiler, we didn't even come close to 10,000 points. Mandatory retirement is enforced when you have lost your entire fleet of buses. Before an Astro bus can begin its route, it must touch down as part of the rocket module. For this initial landing, joystick action must be delicate and precise. Push forward to thrust. Pull back to cut back engines. The route scanner strip is at the lower left of your instrument panel. When you pull back the cutback engines, it changes the way you fly, so you're flying the other way when you pull back. Yeah. So I guess that's part of the delicate and precise part that they're saying. Maybe if you don't pull back so much, I'm thinking. I don't know. Uh, the route scanner strip is at the lower left of your instrument panel. The eight yellow squares represent the commuters waiting along your orbital route. The moving white dot represents your astro bus. Use the scanner mod use your scanner to check your distance from the rocket module and your direction. When you've completed your route, a continuous beep will sound fly to the end of the line to meet the rocket module. When it appears, land the astro bus directly on top of it. Watch your fuel level. When the indicator drops to three, your engines will sputter. Refuel by flying into a purple fuel pod. Fuel pods are unavailable once you've completed the route. Meteors, fireballs, and space mines can be dealt with handily by using your red fire, your red button blaster. After module reconnection, prepare for liftoff, thrust your engines, and head directly up to Grand Central Space Station. You'll hear the commuters pay their fare in the form of points. If all eight commuters have been picked up, delivery points will double. Overheard at the Union Hall, tips for trainees. We got this little, uh, basically, little short story here. You've got different... Um, Bus drivers giving you tips. Joe Muldooner, Local 472, said the best way to stay on schedule is to fly close to the surface. You'll lose time if you fly all over the place trying to shoot everything. Maud Spinetti from Local 12 added, I 
aim to get L8 commuters. That's when those bonus fares really pour in. Amron Smurt. Someday, Henry, when you have a kid, I want you to name the kid Amron Smurt. Dispatcher said, learn to use the scanner to choose direction. Remember that it represents an orbit, not a straight line. So sometimes the quickest way to either end of the display is to fly in what appears to be the opposite direction. Finally, an anonymous voice whispered a secret. If there are no fuel pods around, one will often appear if you'll fly to the top of the screen and shoot three times. But even this won't work once all the commuters are gone. The game was designed by John Van Ryzen, which is not a name that's familiar to me, although some of you more hardcore Activision people probably will recognize it. If you know anything about John Van Ryzen that I should know about him, let me know. There's an Activision limited warranty, if you're curious. And that is how you play Cosmic Commuter. I'm not rich or famous. I'm not a movie star, rock icon, first responder, nurse, doctor, or anybody else whom we all look up to. I'm just a schnook. Just like Bill, I love to tell stories. Unlike Bill, though, I'm not creative enough to write my own, so I just tell my own real-life stories in this book-read-by-the-author-style podcast, all about life lessons growing up, and every episode, a segment about music. Music that I love, artists that I admire, and sometimes even my own music. You can find Autobiography of a Schnook on all your favorite podcast suppliers, or you can go to schnookpodcast.com. That's S-C-H-N-O-O-K podcast.com. And I firmly believe the good goes around, and I sincerely hope that Autobiography of a Schnook proves to be some good that goes around your way. So not surprisingly, some people out there who know a lot more about games than I do had thoughts about Cosmic Commuter. Woodrain Wonderland wrote, I'm not sure I've ever had such mixed feelings about a game. I hear you, Woodrain Wonderland. The biggest problem is too many ingredients that just don't fit. It starts out with a shuttle landing game. What was with all that Lunar Lander games? What was with all the Lunar Lander games back then? I've never been good at those in the best of times, but this one was even harder than usual, so I easily lost two-thirds of my lives in this section. Once you land successfully, it becomes a choplifter-style side-scroller in which you attempt to pick up Cosmic Cab customers. In my head, I compared it more to uh, with MASH, although his comparison is probably better. The problem is the map is huge, customers give up on you too easily, and your ship burns through fuel like crazy. Once you pick up your final customer, you no longer have access to fuel, so if you're still a long way from your destination, you're screwed. This game is a mess and seems impossible, but for some reason I still enjoy it. Again, I hear you, Woodrain Wonderland. High-quality Activision graphics help. Also enjoy the gameplay. The game could have been great if Activision would have just dropped even one of the game's barriers to success. There's a fine line between making a game extremely hard and impossible. Woodrain gives it a C-. MyBrainOnGames.com wrote that these Activision games on the Atari 2600 have, have such fantastic manuals. The manuals have some character and the backstories they lay out and the way they explain the games. As I've noted, Activision ripped off my bit 40 years ago. That was me talking, not Woodrain, not uh, Cos... What is this? Not my brain on games. Even though the game doesn't offer the mechanically rich gameplay of Pressure Cooker or the repetitive yet addicting gameplay of Demon Attack, it's still neat, thanks to its zany premise. According to this review, scoring 6,000 points will unlock the Tilt-O-Vision gameplay mode in Activision Anthology, and this is the first and one of the few Activision games to not have a related patch. Oh good, I want to feel bad about not getting the patch for this one. Alright, well, after the break, we avoid eye contact and awkward conversation with a crossword puzzle we can't even begin to solve on our commute through this episode. 
Oh boy, it's so great to be out of quarantine. We're gonna go somewhere and we're gonna take the bus. But not just any bus. Henry, we're taking the cosmic bus. Alright, Henry's driving the bus. The next generation and all that. Driving the bus, getting us where we need to go. Um, just a warning on this field report. So far, we have found cosmic commuter to be kind of frustrating. Okay. When it, when it, it beeps, when it beeps, just oh, say that you've done it too well. Picked up a commuter. When it beeps, just say that you've done it too well. It waits you out like five, it waits you out of like, like five feet left, and then it stops you when you feel, and you die because you, because the rest of you shift because they come fast enough. Yeah, we're a little confused about the whole end of the line thing. When exactly is the end of the line? I guess there's supposed to be a beeping. Um, but like Henry said, it seems to be sort of random where it tells you that the line is done and then what exactly you're supposed to do. He was able to pick up a commuter finally. We had a little trouble with that because they don't come up very often. Apparently this is not a well-traveled space bus line. Um, the game looks very Activision, right? Bright colors and everything. The rocket ship looks good. red flag? I'm not sure. We're looking at... It's not on screen right now, but every so often a, a red flag pops up. I'm guessing, it wasn't clear from the manual, but I'm guessing that that is a marker of some sort for where you're at in your route. And if anyone knows, if anyone understands how to figure out where exactly in the route you are better than we do, let us know. I am noticing a little bar. Uh, with little squares on it. I hadn't really paid attention to that before. I think maybe this is telling me where you are in your route. You've got like three little squares left, and then there's one that's blinking that's about to disappear. Yeah, I think that's what it is. So apparently when you, your bus gets destroyed, you lose your... Oh, did you start over? Okay, I guess when your bus gets destroyed, then you lose the whatever commuter you had. That part reminds me of the MASH video game, where you're picking up people in your helicopter. Uh, I don't quite get what the space saucer flying around uh, at the surface of the planet is doing, exactly. You can't shoot it. You can't, you can't go past it. It doesn't try to shoot you. I'm sorry, what's that? You can't go past the Yeah. I don't really know what it's doing there, or what purpose it serves. Um, the manual seems to make it sound like the yellow squares have something to do with fuel, or commuters rather, but you're also supposed to shoot them to get points. I don't quite understand that. It's an interesting game. Oh, he's about to grab some fuel because he's about to run out. Well done. Maybe if we understood it a little better, um, it'd be more fun, but I think it's interesting. I like it. The rocket looks good. Your, your base bus thing looks good. Uh, as with a lot of Activision games, everything's rendered pretty well. Um, but it's just kind of a little murky some of the details of this particular game. 
that said, I think Henry's doing the best of any of them that he's done so far today. We've only played a little bit. So. It's a little frustrating because we're not seeing very many commuters. I think in this round we've only seen one. Henry got him. And then I lost him. And then I lost him, yeah. If I'm reading this scanner right, I think your route is about over. You've got two little squares left, and one of them's blinking. I like the added detail of the shadow of your space bus uh, appearing on the ground. And there's critique in the fact that it doesn't move as well as maybe it should. supposed to do but it wouldn't let him uh, it wouldn't let him land so we're a little frustrated a little disappointed we'll talk more about it in the episode back to you in the studio hey everyone this is michael one of the hosts of the atari xegs cart by cart podcast do you like atari of course you do what about the 8-bit computer line it was one of the best well how about you consider joining bill david kieran and myself as we review the cartridge-based games for atari's 8-bit computer line we also review budget games which were mostly released only in the uk but that's not all. We also dig up game history, share personal experiences, and perform questionable comedy. You'll get all of that and for free just by listening to us on either iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Player FM, or from our website at xegs8bit.com. That's xegs, the number 8, bit.com. And when you're done listening, please send us your hate mail because we really need the feedback so we know someone is tuning in. Hey, it's me, Bill, your host, the guy you've been listening to this whole episode. Do you enjoy the stories I write and read to you every week on this podcast, but you feel like you just need a break from my voice? I get it. My family does sometimes, too. Here's an option. Some of the stories from the show are now collected in a volume titled Misery Banana, very short stories inspired by old games and odd thoughts. You can order it wherever you like to order books. I hope you'll check it out. Thanks. So, here's the thing about Cosmic Commuter. 
Henry, do we like Cosmic Commuter? Eh, a little bit. Eh, a little bit. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Before we do that, it's time for our ongoing segment. What's Henry playing while we do a podcast talking about a different I'm not game? I'm playing anything. I'm watching a YouTube video. You're what? You're watching a YouTube... Oh, I just noticed. He has his headphones on. Henry does. So while we are actively recording this podcast, he has headphones on listening to a, a video on YouTube. What are you listening to? What are you watching? Video. Yeah, what's the video? A no day off video. A what? A no days off video. A no days off video. What's that? We can give somebody it's a plug. Not, it's basically a short documentary of people that are really good at stuff because they never missed a day of practicing that. Oh, so what's this one about? Diving. Diving? Yeah. So people who are really good at diving because they've it's practiced really hard. A, a person. Okay. Like high dives or yeah, fancy trick dive. dives or something? Cool. Alright, so Henry's kind of meh about this game. I, like the one review, kind of have mixed feelings. It's a cool looking game. I think it could be fun. I just find some of the details frustrating, like trying to land. And I guess maybe there are more commuters than it seems like. We only saw a couple. So trying to pick up all the commuters in the time allotted to you is frustrating. I don't quite get how you're supposed to get to the end of the game successfully. It's a little disappointing. Um, so if I feel bad saying that about an Activision game, but there it is. Uh, maybe if I spend a little more time with it. If any of you has any thoughts about what I might be missing in this game, or if you agree that it's maybe not as good as it could be, uh, hit us up on the social media or the email or the voicemail. It's story time on Atari Bytes. Yes, it's story, 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 story time with Bill. Henry, do you have a short story this week? No. Okay. I do. So I will share mine. This week's story is titled, The Commutants. The air around Clement swirls and warps. The room is sucked down into nothingness and explodes into the four corners of the universe before settling back into place. This time, though, an image has formed. No, more real. Matter of a new kind has appeared there in front of Clement. Matter in the form of Professor Noswell. How was your trip? Clement asked the professor, a standard reading. Exhausting, the professor says. Didn't think I'd ever get here, the standard reply. Then they both laugh at their hilarity. Professor Noswell nods to Clement. Student, he says. You are on time. Well done. We're all on time, Professor, Clement says, for we never go anywhere. That's what separates us from the lesser species, the professor says. Well, that and not needing to poop, Clement says. Then they laugh again. Clement nods and speaks to the other students in the class, though Clement can't hear it, for they aren't there in the room with the professor and him. They are with the professor and themselves. For Professor Noswell is no place, all places, one place, and every place. Professor Itinerantur Noswell is a noted archaeologist and historian. He specializes in ancient modes of transport, particularly in the penchant of early humans to constantly move from one point to another, and how they did so, and when they chose to stop doing so. As we discussed last session, Professor Noswell begins, in the early 21st century, humans began to see the futility of going places and started simply staying home. What caused that, Professor? Lil, a student in New East Australia, asks, the audio filling the 
ears of the whole class. A three-dimensional representation of Lil flickers into Clement's vision as she speaks. Did they run out of horses? The other students laugh. Don't be silly, Clement said. The early to mid-21st century was the era of matter teleportation, right, Professor? Well, the professor says, the historical record, I read there was a pandemic of some sort back then, Brastus, a non-corporeal being from Boston, says. The Black Plague, or syphilis, or whatever. So that is why they stopped traveling, Lil says. Their horses got sick. They still had viruses in the 21st century? Milna the cyborg said. It's a wonder humans survived unmodified. Ah, but survived they did, Professor Noswell said. Beginning in the time of the pandemic, oh, 2030 or 40 or so, and throughout the centuries, the humans began to embrace the joys of isolation and solitude. What were the humans like before the shift? Clement said. Savages, Lil cut in. They often gathered under vast domes called arenas to cheer each other on as they knocked each other down trying to steal projectiles from each other. Very odd. Covetous of others' property, Bastus added. Shoes, mostly. They liked to go to meeting places to consume something called margaritas, and then body surf, whatever that is, Milna added. Just something I read in the text of an old book unearthed at one of the ancient library excavations. Yes, the humans had much maturing to do, Professor Noswell said, shaking his head. But the point is, our ancestors bore down, sat down, and did what needed to be done. Specifically, they got as far away from each other as possible. Was this the great purging of ingress and egress? Clement asked. Coupled with the banning of human contact, yes, the professor explained. And were they, were they okay with this? Clement asked. Why wouldn't they be? Bastus said. Physical interaction? Touching each other? Ugh. There was a collective fluttering of the students' avatars as they pr processed the horrifying concept of interpersonal contact. I know, I know, Professor Noswell said. It seemed repellent to us, but the humans back then did have some problems with letting it go. They were particularly reluctant to give up. The professor paused here, unsure how to, how much his students could handle. They were reluctant to give up procreative interaction. They called it sex, right? Lil said. Lilith said. Because they didn't have mandatory laboratory species regeneration? Quite right. Also, they enjoyed the activity as recreation. There was a collective gasp from the class. Ignorant cave dwellers, Bastus muttered. Did all these social changes work? Milna said. We're still here, aren't we? Lil responded. Society is judged by its ability to evolve, Professor Noswell said. By that metric, I think you can say human society has become quite evolved indeed. Our aloneness has made us a more unified culture, Lilith said, right? A question formed in Clement's mind. He didn't know how or if he should ask it. The thing about being alone together, though, is even though you're with others, you're separate. Perhaps not being face-to-face, -face, a 1,000-credit fine in this society, emboldens you. So he asked, Do any of you ever get lonely? What's that? Milna said. He means being sad about being alone, Bastus smirked, as if such foolishness were possible. Hold on, Professor Noswell said. Let's explore this. Explain, Clement. Well, I just mean, Clement said, I have these dreams sometimes, where instead of ordering sustenance on the vid, I walk through the marketplace and handpick my food. It seems nice. Repellent, Bastus said. Why would you touch food that others have touched? Lil said. I don't know. Just a dream, Clement said. Touching food before you buy it, Milna said. 
would just open the floodgates. What would be next? Reintroducing scents into our society? The world had long since learned to funnel distracting odors harmlessly into outer space. The professor checked the time. It was time to conclude the class. Otherwise, this class would meet up with the Study of Limited Movement seminar coming in next. Concluding social interactions can be awkward, so society dispensed with it long ago. And the class was over and simply ended, with everyone abruptly disconnecting. Clement looked around, bathed in the omnipresent silence. Enjoyed for a moment the fact that he didn't have to commute from class to home. Had to do nothing now, but simply be here. More silence and inactivity. And then, as he did every night, he glanced furtively about the room to see if anyone was watching. Of course, there wasn't. Then he went to the closet that wasn't really a closet, and opened the door. The glorious scents of wildflowers and lavender wafted forth from the greenhouse. Tomato plants and apple trees stood at attention. It cost a lot of credits to get Marn to deliver this stuff to him, but it was worth it. Come to think of it, Marn would be here soon. Time to put the coffee on. Hi, this is 8-Bit Rocket Jeff Fulton from the Into the Vertical Blank Growing Up Atari podcast. You're listening to the incomparable Bill and his wonderful stories, gameplay sessions, and just plain fun that he has with his Atari and sometimes in television systems here on the Atari Bytes podcast. We cover all things Atari from the 2600 through all the video game systems, computers, and more. Our first game system was the 2600, and we loved it. We still do. So when you want more Atari, come visit us in the vertical blank. And that's our show. Thanks to Kevin McLeod and Acopitech.com for Creative Commons' use of his songs, Reformat, Take a Chance, and Pinball Spring. Thanks to Sean Courtney for the storytime theme. Thanks to Henry for hanging out with me, as always. Be sure not to miss your transfer as you commute over from your life to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review on this of this transit service. Uh, I mean, podcast. Email the show at ataribytes2016 at gmail.com, like the show on our Facebook page, follow the show on Twitter at AtariBytes, or follow me personally at Carnival of Glee. Also, look us up on Instagram. And don't forget, you can call and leave us a voicemail too, 563-265-1978. Leave a message over there about pretty much any damn thing you want, and there's a pretty good chance I'll play it on the show. Check out the new website, which isn't so new anymore. Really gotta change that in my notes. CarnivalofGleeCreations.com What will you find there? Stuff. Specifically, information, show notes, episode links for this podcast, Atari Bytes, and my other show, It's a Podcast, Charlie Brown, the monthly deep dive into all things related to the iconic Peanuts comic strip, from the page to the screen, to the merchandise, to the mind of Charles Schultz, to discussions of the various characters from Snoopy on down. All of that, all over there, on the website. Consider supporting the show financially by becoming a subscriber on Patreon. Just go to patreon.com Atari Bytes. If you subscribe, you could get access to episodes early, meaning you don't have to wait until Sunday to hear a new episode. You could also get bonus content. From time to time, we'll put up uh, extra stuff, usually audio, sometimes video, of other things we're doing in the Atari Bytes universe that we're not talking about on the regular show. For example, We've been watching Pac-Man the Ghostly Adventures, a very strange cartoon series. Um, I think fairly soon, I don't know exactly when, but I think fairly soon, we'll probably have another episode of that up on the uh, Patreon. 
Uh, and we do other stuff from time to time that we don't cover on the regular show. So please consider supporting the show uh, if you can. And uh, thanks in advance. If you do so, you can be like these guys. Michael Tyler, Jose Gazeta, Sean Courtney, and Aerospike. Thanks again to those guys for doing that. There are Go Play Some Old Games They've Missed You shirts and mugs over there at Zazzle.com, the Atari Bytes store over there. I have books, specifically the novel In the Saint Nick of Time and the short story collection Misery Banana, very short stories inspired by old games and odd thoughts. You can find information about those books and links to just some of the places you can order them, uh, again, on the website, carnivalofgleecreations.com. All right, next time on Atari Bytes. Woohoo! It'll be June, and you know what that means. In Television Month. That's right, every Sunday in June each year, we set aside the Atari briefly and play some Intellivision games. I've got an Intellivision that I had as a kid. I actually got the Intellivision before I got the Atari because I got actually the Sears telegames. Uh, my dad was a, Sears, a career Sears man, and with many things as a kid, I didn't get them until I got the Sears version, whether it was clothes, whether it was clothes or video game systems. So I actually had a television first, and I still have the console that I had as a kid. So, uh, and there's a lot of fun games that you can play on the television. So, I set aside one month out of the year to devote this show to Intellivision games, and that kicks off next week. We'll be playing Swords and Serpents, which I heard about somewhere. Uh, I think on one of the other podcasts that I listened to. Although, I'm sorry, I can't give credit right now because I don't specifically remember who talked about it. Um, but it looks interesting. I actually have... Actually, I'm saying that maybe I didn't hear about it on a podcast. Maybe I just saw it at a flea market or a conference or something. Because I have the, I have it in box. I have the box, I have the manual, uh, the overlays, uh, the cartridge, the whole bit. So we'll be playing that next week. If you have thoughts about Swords and, Ser- swords and Serpents, let me know. If you have thoughts about television, let me know. If you have thoughts about pizza or hummingbirds or the proper length to cut your grass, you know, whatever, I don't care, reach out and I will probably share it on the show. So until next time, go play some old games. They've missed you. Thank you.